Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a match preview as Villa take on Crystal Palace at Villa Park at three o'clock on Saturday. Villa's second three o'clock home kickoff of the season. Absolutely ridiculous. This show is sponsored by Luke Roper. If you want to get 20% off everything they have to offer, then use the code TVV20 and you'll get 20% off. I'm delighted to be joined by one of my favourite European football experts. In fact, my favourite European football expert, it's Kevin Hatchard. Kevin, how are you? I'm thrilled now that I've been promoted to number one. I'll take that. I don't think I know anymore. <laughs> I think you might, think you might <laughs> be the only number one. If it's fine, only huh? one, is fine by me. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. You okay? Yeah, good. Very good. Got some big games this week uh, coming up in the Bundesliga. A couple of big title pushing games. Uh, Dortmund Leipzig first. So yeah, some really exciting games. Yeah, Bundesliga is good this season. There's, there's, a, there's a lot going on in that league. Some good players there, as always, as well. But we're here to talk about Aston Villa against Crystal Palace. And Kev, Villa back to winning ways last week away at Everton. I don't know how much of it you saw, but pleased that Villa didn't lose four games in a row. Because quickly, when you, you lose three in a row, like Villa had, it can become a losing run. And then suddenly pressure starts to mount from nowhere. Yeah, I think it is important, certainly early in a managerial reign, not to let the rot set in. I think there's obviously caveats. You know, Unai Emery's trying to get this cohesive unit together. He doesn't want to give away many goals. And I think if you look already at how they've done against the kind of lesser lights in the division, especially away from home, been very organised, kept clean sheets, been hard to break down. And I think what you saw against Everton was the quality they have. You know, Buendia's goal was excellent. Uh, and it just shows that ability to win a tight game. But you can only have a tight game if you make it tight. And I think that's what Unai Emery wants ultimately. He wants that basic cohesion and then to be able to build upon that. So, yeah, I think that was a really, really important result. Not an easy place to go, as Arsenal found out a few weeks ago. 
No, it was a great result. Obviously, been the first team to go to Everton and beat Sean Dyche at Goodison Park. I don't know whether you know this, but since Emery's come in, Villa have actually got the joint best away record in the, in the Premier League. So away from home is not a problem. It is at home, where Villa are on Saturday, that they've struggled a little bit because I think Emery's tried to open the team up a little bit more at home, tried, tried to entertain the fans and play a bit more of an attacking style. Whereas away, like you say, Villa are a bit more cohesive and they've, they've got the results. So they've got the away plan down, but it's at home where they've not got things right so far. So Crystal Palace come in this, come in this weekend and Emery's got to sort that home form out. I don't know whether, whether you, you're aware of this, but... Emery previously, has he ever struggled at home with with another side or is it, is it just teething problems for Villa? Yeah, it could take a while. Um, but if you look generally at his work, Sevilla under him uh, had spells where they were unplayable at home. At the Sanchez Pizuan, they were winning game after game after game and it was actually away from home where they were really okay. struggling to pick up results. If you look at Villarreal, some of their performances at home uh, were outstanding. And again, they actually could play some expansive football at home. They could play some some really attacking football. But it takes time to get that balance right. And it takes time to get those kind of automatic things into their game. And then you can be a bit more expansive and then you can score goals. So I think a classic Emery side, once it's been developed, if you look at Villarreal, say, in the Champions League, you know, they if you look at their tie against Liverpool, for example, in the semi-finals last season, they went to Anfield, they dug in, people went, oh, they just came for a draw, that they had no interest in attacking. Well, of course, they just wanted to stay in the tie. And it nearly came off for them because they really went at Liverpool in the early part of that second leg yeah, at the Ceramica and nearly turned it round. So, you know, he does have that capability to have a team that can attack at home, but also be dogged and resolute away from home. There's a couple of players that have really improved under Emery, really making an impact. One of them is Ollie Watkins. He scored five in five, kept first player to score five, pre- five sorry, score for five Premier League games in a row for, for Aston Villa. Do you like him as a player? You like Ollie Watkins? Because he's, he's been brilliant. The last, I, th- I think he's been good all season, actually, but particularly in the last few weeks, he's been brilliant. Yeah, I always think with him, there's a lot to like. I, I like the work rate. I like the mobility. I, I like the, the willingness to, to run in behind. And I think it's always been the finishing with him and always been that kind of lack of belief, really, in front of goal at times. But he talks about becoming more confident. He talks about becoming more greedy. He's talked about that a lot this season, actually, hasn't he? He's talked about not wanting to be a bit more selfish. I think all the good strikers have got that. But you don't want to lose that team ethic. So he's kind of perfect for Emery, really. Emery wants hardworking, mobile forwards that can make a difference at the top end. You know, you look at somebody like Gerard Moreno, you look at the way that Dan Juma slotted in in a, in a central attacking role at times for him at Villarreal last season. So I think Watkins has got a coach that can improve him in lots of tactical and te- technical ways, but he's got the work rate to go with it. So I don't see any reason why he won't continue to be a part of what Emery's doing at Villa. And John McGinn's the other one, Kev. He's kind of playing that hybrid wide midfielder slash coming in, coming inside and, and uh, affecting the game centrally when, when the team's attacking. But defensively, you know, it's very much a 4 4 2 when Villa defend and he's wide in, in that defensive bit, which I, which I really like. I think it, it really suits him. But McGinn was not having a good season. He struggled under Steven Gerrard and under his role, wasn't allowed to really get forward. But we're seeing him now. He's starting to affect games higher up the pitch as well. Is, is he a player that you've, you've admired and liked over the years? 
Yeah, I think intelligence is the key, right? He's got lots of experience, not only at club level, but with Scotland as well. We see him play a much more expansive role for Scotland, score goals. And he was just a bit caged. We, we talked about that last time, Dan, didn't we, about yeah. um, about Ramsey. The fact that he was a bit caged under Gerrard, just part of that kind of block in midfield that just moved from side to side and wasn't actually given licence to go and do damage higher up the pitch. And I think... You know, you've talked about when you've seen Emery play, Coquelin played that role quite well for um, Villarreal, Trigueros as well. You need somebody who knows when to come into the centre and when to keep their defensive shape. And McGinn is absolutely somebody with the experience and game intelligence, I think, to do that. But technically, he's also a good player. Yeah, and I asked you last time about Leon Bailey. He's been placing us since I last spoke to you. He's continued to be very, very frustrating. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll start on Saturday. I think Emi Buendia is impact off the bench. We'll see him come in and, and perhaps re- re- replace Leon Bailey. But I just, I'm starting to get frustrated, Kev. He, he's starting to, re- to, re- to really irritate me because I know yeah. there's a player there, but for six, seven, eight games, you just don't see that player, and then for one. You'll just you might you might see him, but what I've noticed is if he starts a game well, there's been a few games for Villa this season where he scored in the first 10, 15 minutes of a game. Yeah. If his first action in the game is positive, he goes on then to have have a good game. If the first time he tries to take on a man, he doesn't beat them. He seems to then just that the games are right off. You may, you may as well take him off at that point. It, again, is this similar to, to what we were seeing in Germany? It's exactly the same. Exactly the same. He would have. Spells where he did nothing. He would have spells where he was brilliant. Um, he'd lose his head sometimes, get sent off, especially in derby games for Leverkusen. And this is the difference between a good player and an elite player, I think. Uh, and you see that with strikers sometimes. If the first chance they miss, that sticks with them. If you look at the greats of strikers, guys like Lewandowski, he could miss six, but he'll come back for the seventh and the eighth and the ninth. This is, this is the thing. He'll get into positions to score. So that mentality is a huge thing. And, you know, we've spent Leon Bailey's whole career waiting for the moment when he can string all those performances together. Maybe under Emery it will come, maybe it won't. But at the moment, you just don't know because he hasn't provided us with any evidence to show that he can string those performances together. So I think he's worth persisting with. But I think the good thing from Villa fans' point of view is that they've got options and you're not relying on him to deliver week in, week out because if he doesn't deliver, somebody else will come in. I, think, I don't know if I was blinded by his numbers in the Bundesliga. and In his last season in the Bundesliga, his numbers were very strong. They, they were around the same kind of level as Coman and Gnabry at Bayern. So yeah. I was thinking, we've got we've got a player coming here. You know, I looked at his goals, really. He'd scored a lot of goals. I'd watched him play for Leverkusen. I don't know whether I just seemed to catch him on, a, on good days, but he just always looked dangerous. But it was the output that he had for Leverkusen that impressed me in his last season there. But he hasn't got that this season. for Villa. He scored a few goals. His record's OK. But that output at Leverkusen was sensational that last season. Yeah, he was playing in a very attack-minded team as well. And also, if you look at the Bundesliga, it can be quite a transitional league and it can lend itself to broken play, his kind of pace, doing damage on the counter. Uh, He had a lot of like-minded players in that team with him at Leverkusen. So... Look, he had, he did produce, he earned his move to the Premier League, if that's the way you want to look at it. He he did perform really, really well in that final season, but there was a lot of trash that went before it. 
and he had the odd injury problem here and there. So he was never coming to Bundesliga as the finished article. He's still got room and time to grow. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it's probably about time that he did make that step. I'm sure he's aware of it, but it's about the player wanting to change. And a lot of players you look at in history, good players, perfectly effective players at times, but it's only the elite ones who have that consistency. So that's the big question he's still got to answer, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's down to a lack of effort at all. I think I think he really he's trying, but he's just just not coming off for whatever reason at, at the moment. Maybe that will change at the weekend. Let's talk about Palace then. Bit of a funny season for Crystal Palace so far. Last season, I think everyone was giving Vieira a lot of praise for the for the job he's done. I don't think he's doing too dissimilar job this season, but they haven't got off to they haven't had a good twenty twenty three, and they are looking over their shoulders ever so slightly. Yeah, I wonder if they're sleepwalking into a relegation battle, actually. They've only won six games all season. And they've been a bit fortunate in some ways. I was looking at their expected goals data, and I know that doesn't tell you everything. But one of the things that really stood out to me is that on a couple of the models, they're basically 10 goals better off in terms of their defensive play than they should be. And then you automatically think, when a team's doing that, you think, well, it must be the goalkeeper. So I went into... Uh, Vicente Aguaita's post-shot XG numbers, thinking, oh, they must be really, really good. They're average. They're pretty much dead level. So he's performing in the way you would expect him to perform over the course of the season. So that suggests to me that they've been a bit fortunate defensively at times. I do wonder where the goals are going to come from. I think that's been an issue for Palace for quite some time. You look at Mateta's performances and, you know, he just hasn't, we talk about consistency, he hasn't found that consistency at all. They want to play bright football, but I think Patrick Vieira, because he was a bit worried about goals being conceded, has kind of put the brakes on a little bit. I don't think they've got the balance right, necessarily, between attack and defence. But then you wonder more globally, what are we expecting of Palace? You know, are we expecting them to suddenly be pushing for top half? And if we are, why? Because you look at the investment into the squads. Yes, they've got some good young players, but that squad is not a squad you would expect to be top half, I don't believe. And so they're probably just about where they should be. But it's just about finding another push now between now and the end of the season to make sure they don't get dragged in. There's been two big things for Palace recently, certainly, is that they still miss Gallagher. They've, they've missed Gallagher yeah, all season. He, he, was, he just suited what they did last season. He also had that handy knack of, of popping up with goals from central midfield, and he kind of lead a press. The, the way he pressed was very effective for Crystal Palace last season. And Zaha's been missing as well in recent weeks, yeah. which, which as, as we know, when Zaha's not there, they do kind of struggle without without him a little bit like Villa used to without Jack Grealish. If Grealish wasn't there, Villa barely won a game, and it's it's kind of the same with Crystal Palace. But the bad news for us is, and the good news for Crystal Palace is, it sounds like he might be back this this week. Ken Vieira has been easing him back. He started training before the Liverpool game last week. He didn't risk him. You feel like he'd at least be on the bench this week. Yeah, you've got to be careful with hamstring injuries. So I think they they have been. Very cautious with him. It's interesting the, the impact he has. I was talking to somebody who works in betting in terms of making markets, and there aren't many players who move the market as much as Wilfred Zaha does for Palace games. So it does make a massive difference, not just with 
the fact that he's incisive, the fact that he stretches defences, the fact that he scores and makes goals, but just the whole aura of him, the whole leadership element as well. I think over time, he's certainly developed that part of his game. They're really interesting because they have guys that at least they are like very, very much. He's really unpredictable. I think he's really technically gifted. I think he's worked really hard on the defensive side of his game, which is what Vieira wants. So he's a really interesting player who can do a lot of damage. Just wonder whether there are enough players in that team who are on his wavelength. That's the thing. Are there enough players who can benefit from what he's actually doing? The other thing that's quite interesting about Palace, I think, is how um, aggressive they are. You know, they've, they've picked up loads of yellow cards, loads of fouls. They are very, very aggressive. And look at Cech Ducore, who I know from Lens. He's gone in there as a defensive midfielder, which is what he was always going to be. And he's picked up eight yellow cards already. And he's just, uh, you know, not quite a hatchet man, but they are very aggressive in that midfield area. No question. Yeah, and they've got Lukonga there, haven't they, on loan from, from Arsenal as well. I've got to admit, I've not seen much of him since, since he's come in of year. Uh, well, nobody has, really. <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, Palace, he's done well. Um, but in terms of, obviously, since he got to Arsenal, we haven't seen anywhere near what we thought we might. I think what's interesting about him is that he's seen more as a two-way player rather than just a stopper in that midfield area. And I think the idea is, certainly from Vieira, is to have... Sambi Lukonga and Ducore act as a two where one goes and one stays and, and and they can develop that kind of vibe between them. And I think that's that's going to be very, very important for them because you do need that extra body in midfield. And you're absolutely right about Conor Gallagher. I mean, he obviously played a bit further forward anyway, but he was important for the pressing game, but also important as a running midfield option. And they maybe haven't got that at the moment. So I think the hope will be that... Sambi Lokonga will dovetail with Ducore and they can get that kind of vibe going where one goes and one stays. Yeah, they, they beat Villa at Selhurst Park under Steven Gerrard at the, at the start of the season re- relatively comfortably. I think you're right, though, in what you say, when they started playing the start of the season, sorry, playing a bit more expansively. So they would have some games where they'd have Ducore as the sitter and then it would be Ezra and um, Elise in front. So it was it was a very atta- attacking side, but like you say, he feels like he's abandoned that a little bit. Schluck is the one who kind of comes back in. And to be honest, yeah. he's always he's always done well against Villa for, for for some reason as well. But I want to ask you more about Mateta because he has been leading the line recently. It's a similar kind of thing as with Leon Bailey, isn't it? You, you feel like the tools are there because again, every time I watch him, I think he he looks dangerous, Mateta. But the goal record's just not there. He hasn't scored for a long time. I've got a horrible feeling his last goal might have even been against Villa in August. <laughs> yeah, I think he's only got one. Uh, and uh, that he, it was against Villa then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at, you know, he's he's underperforming in terms of expected goals. And, you know, not by a massive amount, but he is. And you just see the odd flash of inspiration here and there. But it's just not sustained. And for somebody who I know can be good in the air, you look at his aerial numbers, they're pretty poor. And he's in a team where he doesn't necessarily get a huge amount of service all the time. He's a willing channel runner. He's somebody who's got that rangy stride, who's willing to try and stretch defences. But it's just getting him in areas where he can do damage. And I just don't think we've seen any kind of consistency from him. If I think of his time at Mainz, it's kind of the same, really, although he did score more goals in the Bundesliga and he had runs where he was looking really, really strong. He, he's got a hat-trick on his CV. Um 
I think that was against Freiburg in the Bundesliga. And he's had spells where you thought, wow, this guy's got everything. He's got a bit of pace about him, that uh, rangy stride, that strength. He should be good in the air. But we just haven't seen enough of that at Palace. Now, the big question's going to be, because Odson Edouard's not doing anything for them either. I was going to ask you about him. So the big question is, can strikers actually succeed at Palace, given the rest of the team? Or is it just the strikers they've got? aren't performing and aren't scoring goals. People will look at Jordan Ayew and say, well, he never scores, but he's got a very specific role in the team, I think. He's all about energy. He's all about work rate. He's all about the defensive part of the game as well. He's a very good presser, Jordan Ayew, I think. So you give him a pass to some extent, but the, the strikers they have are not performing. Yeah, and that's where where they are at the moment. You know, they don't get a striker that's putting the ball in the back of the net and they're having to ease Zaha back. Because he's, he's their main goal threat when, when he plays Zaha. I actually think he's yeah. an underrated finisher as well. I think he misses chances, but I think generally he can put the ball in the, in the back of the net. But we talk about the teams near the bottom and, and so like Everton when Calvert-Lewin doesn't play, where are the goals going to come from? I'm, I'm reluctant to say this before tomorrow, but you do kind of <laughs> think... Where are where are the goals going to come from? Because there isn't that centre forward who's who's capable of getting double figures at the moment. No, I mean again that comes down to whether Zaha plays. If he does, then obviously there's there's your danger straight away. If he doesn't, then it's about not giving away silly set pieces because we know the damage Elise can do. We've seen that he strikes the ball beautifully. He's a really really intriguing player. He's yeah. a real technician. He's um, a friend of mine. Actually, goes to see Palace every so often, and he's he's a decent talent spotter. To be fair, and you don't you don't need to be a genius to know Elise's good, <laughs> but he has raved about Elise from the moment he saw him. From the moment he went to see him live, he went that Elise is amazing. Like every every time. So, I think he is just one of those players that really catches the eye, but he's starting to become a more rounded footballer. So he can hurt you in lots of different ways. So I think it's interesting to see his development under Vieira. I think the thing as well with Vieira is he's already changed a few things. He's already gone to a more defensive style. If you look at his time at Nice, for example, in France, it started ever so well. You know, they finished um, in the top half of the table when he was first there and they looked really strong and looked as though they were going to be able to... Uh, they had a COVID-affected season, but they were pushing for Europe in that season and looking really good. And then it all started to unravel and he became quite critical of his players inside and outside the dressing room. He chopped and changed teams, formations, you name it. He was unsettled by the fact that the president, the sporting director, left and then were later brought back when there was a takeover. And it just all kind of fell apart really so I think it's important for him in terms of his development as a coach to guard against that and to make sure that he isn't just panicking and changing lots of things and desperately looking for a solution so this game forms part of a very very important section of the season for them yeah that, that feels like unfortunately it feels like they're due a win but at the moment that, that could do with a win because it's just been so long without them having one but saying that Kev Surely you're not going to come on a Villa show and, and predict anything but a Villa win. Of course not. No, of course not. No, I do think Villa. I do think Villa will win. I, I think Palace are really limited at the moment in, in what they're doing. I, I think Villa. 
it's about individual mistakes as well, actually. You look at the performance against Leicester. I know Tete played well. I know Leicester clicked into gear, but they were kind of invited in by some awful errors. And, you know, we'll never know how that game would have gone if you hadn't had those individual errors. But I do think generally there's an upward trend with Emery. I think there's no doubt about that. I think they look more cohesive. I mean, you would know that better than me, but it certainly seems to me that they're more competitive. Um, They're starting to get that balance, but it will take time between attack and defence. And I think they'll win the game. So I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. 2-1 2-1 Villa, I like it. That's exactly the same as I think the score is going to be. Villa, of course, have scored every game under Rune Emery so far as well. We, you know, we're barely scoring under Steven Gerrard, so there's definitely yeah. been, been an improvement there. Kev, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks ever so much for coming on and, and talking through the game with me, especially the research you do on the, on the opponent is far greater than, than I do. So thank <laughs> you ever so much for coming on. Hopefully everyone's enjoyed the video. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all that jazz. I'll be back later with a Stato preview, so I will have to do some research for that one that'll be around five o'clock so watch out for that but kev again thanks ever so much and as always up the villa sports social podcast network with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky <gasps> No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.